What's up, sons and daughters? It is Sam Jesse, and I am back with the crew from the Locks of Saturday, Robert, Chris, Brett. Our buddy Ed is not with us tonight. He's totally okay. He is, however, taking engagement photos. Robert, Chris, any words of advice for our friend Ed for when he listens to this? Just about the whole thing. I'm going to defer to the younger, uh, uh, the, the more youthful relationship before I come in with some season advice. It's still new for you, Robert. You're still you're still in, in newlywed kind of honeymoon phase. Man, I am I am flustered right now. I don't even know what to say. Uh, best time of your life. Enjoy it. It's okay. She's probably not a locked uh, of Saturday active listener. I'm assuming. Yeah, but she's in the other room. So <laughs> thin walls, thin walls. <laughs> Well, congratulations to them both and um, best of luck taking pictures. I'm sure that is a, that's a really fun time. So what we're going to do tonight is just kind of fireside chat. Talk about it. College football season is just around the corner. This guy's think like early June, maybe all the way through the month of June is like magazine season. This is when Athlon and Lindy's and all that stuff's coming out. You're picking it up. You're taking it to the beach to read it. You're, you know, just scrolling through Twitter at work, just looking at projections. It's talking season. And that's what we're going to do here. We're going to talk about teams that we can't wait to bet on, teams that we can't wait to fade, teams that we have no idea what's going to happen with. And then we took some of your listener hot takes on Twitter today, and we're going to go over those as well. Just some housekeeping before we get started. We are looking forward to the college football season. And for us, that starts in August. So first week of August, August 8th, we'll be talking ACC Atlantic. Third week of August, uh, the week of the 15th, ACC Coastal. The week of the 22nd is our national and week zero preview. And then, fellas, the week of August 29th is week one. That is the tentative schedule right now. We're going to try our best to be on a schedule this year and give you guys the best content we can. Fellas, uh Let's just start before we start talking football real quick. We got a lot to get to, but let's just catch up. Where are you guys at? What have you been up to? It's been, a, it's been a while for some of y'all. It's been a while. I don't think, I'm not sure. I think the last one was the masters for me. So that was what two over two months ago. Uh, still slinging peanuts per usual. And then, but uh, golf, man, that's where the money's at. And I haven't really looked at any, odds on the liv stuff coming up but i'd imagine that's probably coming so whatever whatever your side you're on if you're on the pj side the liv side or if you're just saying screw it because it's fake drama uh i don't know there's money to be made in both of those so with the u.s open coming up in two weeks i think i think it's not this weekend but the following it's father's day weekend uh maybe you can expect some of us to throw out some spray the boards and whatnot even though Several of the players, not several, but a few of the players that would be playing in it most likely will not be. So, do you have a U.S. Open pick right now? Um, kinda. I mean, I think McElroy, that's usually a tournament he does really well, and he's been, even though his putting is still pretty bad right now, I think he's due for one. Um, Zalatoris is playing really good golf, I think he's due. He's been really close now two or three times to a major um she can't count chef out even though he's spraying the ball but i can't count him out he's still you know his year has been crazy uh who else um really those three are the main one i think Zalatoris or Zalatoris, however you want to say it uh or billy z that's what i call him he's gonna get i think he's gonna get one before the year ends i love that I love I love Willie Z. I'd love to see him get one. Uh, right now, I am still in the Charlotte area and just watching a lot of hokey baseball. Got to go watch the ACC tournament. Watch us beat Clemson eighteen six. That was a good time. Gonna head to the Super Regional this weekend, and yeah, other than that, we're living the dream over here. Yeah, I just got back from. Uh... Austin, Texas on a, a conference trip for work. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw it. We're going to throw out some hot takes during this podcast. I'm going to start with one Austin, insanely overrated city. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. The, uh, the average temperature is a one Oh five. It was like uh, about a 20 mile an hour stiff winds, like walking into a blow dryer every single day. Uh, it's actually not that cheap and, you know, kind of 
uh, friendly on the wallet now these days. Uh, I know that's kind of everywhere we see nationally, but it's pretty expensive. And uh, the local population kind of looked like the uh, bunch of extra cast members from 28 days later. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say that I've, I've, I've seen enough of Austin. I'm going to move on and uh, try to pick uh, that that next city based off of, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, a little bit more better climate conditions because, man, it was insanely hot. I haven't been in 105 weather in a long, long time, but that, that was crazy. Pretty much everybody from L.A. and Southern California, they're moving to Austin, <laughs> Texas or Nashville. Correct. Yeah. That's so. pretty much two major places, so. Take that as you will. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably coming out of left field with that because I feel like I was the only person. But I guess that's because I'm an East Coaster by trade and I can't stand that insane amount of heat. But that that was oppressive for me. All of our Texas to VT listeners are going to be real upset about that one. But uh, nope, I'm just hearing. Do we have any? No, they, they all left. <laughs> they all left just as quickly <laughs> they all as transferred. They, came, they all left. <laughs> they all transferred. Um, I'm here in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's a beautiful town. Uh great in the summer. There's like flowers blooming everywhere. It's, it's kind of, it was really sticky and hot today, but other than that, it's been a really nice time. And, uh, I I will not be able to make the super regional, but if the Hokies go to Omaha, I am going to literally do everything in my power to get to Nebraska, to go to that college world series, fingers crossed, best of luck to the fellas this weekend against Oklahoma. All right, let's go ahead and get started. First order of business guys, You've been chomping at the bit since February, since spring ball. Who are the teams that you cannot wait to bet on this year? Brett, take it away. I don't want to steal your thunder too bad. Uh, you Sam, can steal it. Uh, but Utah is definitely one. Yep. Uh, I think the Pac-12 or Pac-10 or whatever it is now uh, – I think you're going to get into more depth than I will, but I'll go ahead and just say that uh, I think with no conference already and they're really not a clear winner, and I don't think USC is there yet, even with Lincoln Riley, and they might be buying people Lamborghinis and whatever. Uh, I think USC is perennially cursed for I, – I don't know what happened. I don't. It's kind of like Miami. They're like Miami, Texas, USC. You put them all in a group, and that's just kind of how it is, and it hasn't changed for – over a decade. And that's why I think Utah is a really good spot to pick to win the Pac-12 and especially to get over their win total, which is, is it nine and a half or eight and a half? Win total is set at eight and a half. Yeah, I definitely hammer that for yep. sure. Yep. Uh, another one I really like is, uh, even though Kenneth Walker is gone, I like Michigan State over seven and a half. I believe they're a, they have a lot of other players coming back, especially defensively. Uh, I think they out kicked their coverage last year with a weak team outside of Kenneth Walker, even though they kryptonited him. And I think they have a lot of players coming back. And I think besides Ohio state, the big 10 overall is still, eh, uh, Penn state, I think will probably get to their nine win mark. Uh, there's like three teams that are going to get to eight, nine wins. And that's going to be Penn state, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, the four teams at Michigan State, I think they're all going to be right there battling each other, and they're just going to be looking up at Ohio State all year. So um, right now, those are my two. Someone else kick it off because I know I have a few more, but I lost my page where I was looking at. So, Sam, I, I when I saw this kind of uh, on the, uh, the, the document for the team here, uh, I immediately thought of what are my favorite types of teams, and those are usually the ones that – generally are unheralded as programs, but they present a lot of value. So I always look for those programs that are consistently performing well in terms of against the spread and have margins that are in the positive, you know, so I'm looking for, you know, mostly for me, it comes down to like those group of five teams because you generally kind of see like, yes, who's really good against the spread. Well, last year it was like, you know, your Georgia's, your Notre Dame's were really, really solid performers against, but it's no fun betting on Georgia and Notre Dame year in and year out. Uh, so for me, you know, I look at, you know, the Buffaloes and the UABs of the world, you know, from the last five years, you know, those teams are both performing roughly around 60% against the spread uh, with average, uh, excuse, me, uh, excuse me, against the spread positive performance of, uh, you know, beating it by two to one points. But for this exercise, my favorite team, the one I'm going to hone in on very early on the season, because I love all the elements they're bringing back. And Sam, I said, as a precursor for this, you're probably going to hopefully not steal any of your thunder, but to me, that's Fresno State. 
I love Fresno State going into this season. Uh, they're returning, uh, obviously, the, uh, the production of returning starters index. Uh, 78% of the returning productions are the 16th overall in college football. Uh, they have uh, historically, over the last five years, even though they've had some turnover with their coaches, uh, 63% of the time they cover. Uh, that's over the course of, I think it is, what is it, 57, 59 games. So that's a pretty solid sample size. Uh, with that, they have an average uh, against a spread covering of at least three points. So you're not, I mean, all of these are going to be pretty low points in terms of like the average over 59 games. So three points is actually a pretty considerable value when you think about that. Um, they returning Jake Hayner. Uh, I love Jake Hayner as a quarterback. He had a great season last year. And you would think with Kalen DeBoer leaving the program and going to Washington uh, that they would be just kind of in turnover mode. But they return, if you remember Jeff Tedford, he left the program back in 2019 due to medical reasons, it looked like they were going to be on a downswing. Uh, but I just believe that that was the moment in time where he wasn't uh, doing well health-wise. And that is a risk because you don't know if he's going to be back and kind of performing at his normal coaching standards. But in 26, to me, 2017 and 18, he was with Fresno State, so he has familiarity there. It's not brand new coming into the program, and it's been pretty recent. And he had a combined record of 22-6. and six. So they have a great roster, great returning quarterback, a coach who kind of knows what he's doing with the program. And for me, the value is, is who they're going to be facing in the early part of the season where you know they're going to be dramatic underdogs. And uh, as much as it pains me to say it, uh, those games are going to be USC and Oregon State to lead off the season there. So um, also, I think week five, they play Boise State. So I just I love all the elements, of the fact that they're going to be one of those consistently unheralded programs that's going to be way undervalued in those early spreads and probably throughout the course of the season in the Mountain West, considering how well the Mountain West did last season overall. And I just feel like with that returning starter level and great quarterback and a consistently, you know, solid performing head coach, you know, Fresno State to me offers a tremendous amount of value. So I say, I don't know if that was one team that you were honing in on there. I'm surprised you look like you opened your eyes a little bit. That is not, that is not the Mountain West team that I uh, was honing in on this year, but I like, I mean, they do have a really good quarterback. They have built, like they've built an offensive identity. And I think anytime yes. you can do that in one of the group of five conferences, you have a leg up on everybody else. So I like Fresno state this year. I think the mountain West will be a bit down this year from what they, they have been. So you do have, you know, maybe a little bit to play with out West Robert, your teams that you love right now. There is one team in particular that I absolutely adore right now and i just can't wait to bet them and that is the kansas state wildcats oh baby let me tell you about these wildcats i uh i'm all in the fighting bill snyders the fighting bill snyders but hey here's the thing bill snyder's not their coach anymore and bill snyder had a great career but he retired when he needed to chris clayman has been there this will be his I believe his fourth season now at Kansas state and Chris Clayman is a fantastic coach. You know, before he was at Kansas state, he was at North Dakota state. He won a national championship every single season. He was the head coach proven winner. And I think that the big 12 is just generally like pretty weak this year. Um, I mean, you know, you look at the top favored teams to win the big 12 right now, it's Oklahoma, of course, but you know, Oklahoma, they've lost a little bit to the transfer portal and they also have a new head coach and you don't usually see many conference championships from new head coaches in situations like this. And the other team is Texas. And I mean, we don't need to get into Texas or maybe we will later in the podcast. I'm sure Brett can't wait to fade Texas, but we'll see. Uh, I mean, they went five and seven last year. Like we can't expect them to turn it around that quickly. So, I mean, I think this is a very, very, the big 12 is not going to be great this year. And I think Kansas state has every opportunity to kind of seize it right now. Their win total is at six and a half, which is very, very low. And the over on that, it's important to look at the numbers on this because the over the line on the over has dropped to minus minus one thirty, and the line on the under is in plus odds at plus plus one ten. That means the money is being funneled towards the towards the over right now. People are betting this over because six and a half is crazy low for Kansas State. And I'm going to take it a step further. I think they win the Big 12 this year. 
plus 1600 is where you can get those odds right now. The Kansas State Wildcats will win the Big 12 this year. I think they win probably 10 games. You look at this team, um, not necessarily great in terms of receivers and offensive line, but defensively, they're bringing a lot back. They have a lot of guys that were named to like Athlon Sports, like preseason all Big 12, either first team or second team. I think they had maybe five or six guys named to the first two teams on Athlon Sports of Big 12. And and most importantly, Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn right now, he was a star last year, and he is the highest rated returning running back in college football, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, he is a playmaker. He is electric. And you add in Adrian Martinez, a veteran quarterback, though Martinez has struggled and had a lot of ups and downs in his career at Nebraska. I think he's still really talented and he's away from the Scott Frost drama. You know, he can just lay back, hand the ball to Deuce Vaughn, maybe throw it to him on a little out route and let the defense go to work and take advantage of a weak conference. I think this is Kansas State's year to get back into the national scene. Robert, I love everything you just said. I love it all. Um, there are some things about Kansas State that you failed to mention. And first off, you know, talking about Adrian Martinez, his offensive line in Nebraska was terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. If he can get even mediocre offensive line play, I think we can start to see his talent come to fruition. And I think that's something that we we haven't really seen with him yet. If he gets good protection, he'll be pretty darn good. I believe it's something like 42% of dropbacks. There was pressure when he was at Nebraska. That's an insanely high number. There's another player in the Kansas state offense that you fail to mention. He's a signee uh, for the 2022 class. He's about five foot 10, 160. His name is Sterling Lockett. Um, you might know his brother, Tyler Lockett, Kansas state legend. So anytime, bad. anytime a right. locket is in purple and silver, I'm going to bet on them. I love Kansas state this year. I think they're a darn good team. Uh, is there anything else you had? Who else do you love? Anybody else? I, uh, well, it's funny. I was trashing on teams with new head coaches, but I love USC. I love them. I know you wow. guys are on Utah. Wow. I love USC. We might talk about that, US. We might talk about USC later. Yeah. In, in I'll get podcast. more into it later, but I think this offense has a chance to be very special. So some teams that I really like, we've talked about them a bit, but I'm gonna go more uh, a tad bit more in depth on them. The Utah schools. This is the year for Utah. Like this is the year that that state is at the top of the college football world. I'm banking on it. Billy Ray, I know he's big into Utah football. BYU. Utah and Utah State, I love them all. BYU is returning so much talent. They have a gauntlet of a schedule, but they also have a schedule that is very, very much like Cincinnati's last year. If you look at BYU's chances to, oh, they don't have chances to make the college football playoff yet, but once those come out, that's going to be one I'm looking at. BYU is this year Cincinnati. I don't know if they're going to make the top four, but if they beat, they have games against Baylor. They have games against Oregon. They have a game against uh, who else? They have Utah, of course. Like they're going to have a chance to build a resume here. Even with one loss, they're going to have a chance to build a resume. I love BYU. They're over under win total for the season at eight and a half. I love them at the over. I think that eight and a half is just because of the schedule. If they win a couple of those, I like them. And fellas, a lot of those games are at home. What do you not do in Provo, Utah? You don't go in and win a football game. That's for you, sure. You don't leave with a win from Provo, Utah. It's the biggest rule. Uh, we've talked about Utah. I love Utah. They're bring back Cam Rising. I think they're phenomenal. They're the best coach team in college football. Incredible. I mean, they are Beamer Ball right now. Like what Virginia Tech was 15 years ago, that's what Utah is right now. They're over under for Wintos now at nine, and they are plus 400 to win the Pac-12 again. I love them. Utah State is a team that not a lot of people are talking about. The Aggies from small town of Logan, Utah. I really like this team. Biggest reason why I think Blake Anderson's a phenomenal, phenomenal football coach. And they're projected starting 22 via Lindy's magazine, has 13 seniors and nine juniors. 
they're going to be one of the most experienced teams in the country playing in a down mountain West. They return Logan Bonner as a star quarterback. They return Calvin Tyler Jr. Who was first team all mountain West. I really like the Aggies. Another team I'm looking at, and this is maybe early in the season is Kentucky. Will Levis will have a lot, or apparently it's Levis. So Will Levis will have a lot of hype around him, even for the Heisman, even for the draft. But this is a team that lost a lot of production to the draft. They did bring in some, but I think you're going to be able to catch them early in the season. They have a game against Florida. I love them in that matchup because a lot of the models that are going to be building these lines, looking into Kentucky, are going to see a very low amount of returning production. I think they're good enough to coach that production up. They did get a guy from Virginia Tech, Tavion Robinson, that I think is poised for a breakout year for Big Blue Nation. So I like Kentucky early in the season. Those are my four teams. I'm going to pipe one in really quick. I just I totally forgot to remember. Coastal Carolina is set at eight wins with a week schedule. And it is at plus... I just lost it again. Anyway, I know it's plus odds over eight wins, and their schedule is they have two tough games in a in a row. They got Marshall and Appalachian State back to back weekends, and on a short week to App State. But other than that, I mean, they play Southern Miss to take care. They play UVA, competitive game. I mean, I'm not even being a homer there. I think Coastal is bringing back a great quarterback. Didn't lose their coach somehow, and they're. Didn't really lose a lot. They're only set at eight wins in that conference this year. Uh, I like them. Honestly, they have a good chance to win the conference. Uh, they close it out with James Madison. Uh, is James Madison a sleeping giant? Are they going to compete this year? No. They're going to get just – they might win like three games this year. I'm going to JMU listeners. I'm sorry. Uh, I think your time is coming. But as of right now, I think if you can get to three or four wins this year, that's you should be proud of yourself. But they play ODU. Uh, Louisiana Monroe, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Buffalo, who's really down. They open up with Army, but I think they can take care of business there. Outer Conference is Gardner-Webb. Uh, it's only set at eight wins. I mean, I'm looking at this already, and I'm looking at nine, ten wins pretty easily. So definitely Hammer Coastal Carolina, and it's plus odds, and I wish I could find it. It's like, oh, there it is, plus 120 over eight. So even if they hit eight, you push. So that's my last team. I love it. And we're always down for some Sunbelt talk on this podcast. The fun belt. We'll have plenty of that coming up. All right. Next thing we want to look at, guys, on the negative side, who are some teams that you can't wait to fade this year? Who are you not liking coming into this season? Brett, Brett you're up again. We, we do, uh, we're doing again. an alphabetical order, so Brett. Uh, I want to fade Texas so bad, but they're at eight. And I'm like, I think they could get to eight. I do, just because of the talent they have. Granted, last year, I started off, what, was it, what did they start, 4-0, and and then went 1-7 and seven to end the year, is that what it was? Or something like that? They were 3-0, and zero, and they finished just horribly. When, when Oklahoma killed them, when Oklahoma scored that, <laughs> just that insane comeback, and they scored at the very end, that just destroyed Texas season. It was over, they gave up. Um, so, I think... It's hard for me to say definitely fade them. Uh, I'm definitely on the fade USC train this year. I think another that's another team that might be a sleeping giant, but I don't think they're there yet. They're not back. Uh, Miami uh, have to get to nine wins. Good joke. I don't think anybody in the ACC is getting the nine wins, especially in the Coastal. I think every max, max is nine wins, and I don't think it's going to be them. I don't think it's – it could be Pitt again. I don't know with uh, – Keaton Slovis coming in, but I don't know. The, the, the ACC is just going to be an absolute disaster besides Clemson. And really, honestly, just the Coastal. The Atlantic actually has some strong teams this year. So, I don't know. I, I think definitely going Miami under eight and a half is one I definitely want to look at. New coach. I mean, they, they're they going to look in their crystal ball and think they have somebody in Mario Cristobal, but I don't see it yet. Um and I like when people talk about NIL, it's like, oh, these teams are all going to be back, all these big time programs. Yeah, I think NIL is going to separate the men from the boys even more. But for your like your Alabamas of the world, I think that Miami, I think their sheen of the 1980s is over. And I don't think as enough NIL money is really going to make them crazy again. Uh, 
I just I don't see it. And if there's any Miami listeners out there, I'm sorry. If you think otherwise, uh, you can tell me, and I'll <laughs> I will listen in. Uh, who else? I have another team. Where did they go? Um, hold on one sec. While you're looking for that, I also love Minnesota this year. Yeah. That's uh, I just I just was looking at that. I'm sorry. Someone else go ahead. DraftKings. Can, can we just talk about album. all of the random like facial changes of PJ Fleck over the course of the last like six months? Every time I see him in a photo, he looks like a different human being. Maybe that's just me. It's I think a lot of it's hair, like, there's you'll not see hair, him there's when like it's like 14 degrees in Minnesota and it's like his oh, face shrinks okay. a little bit because it's so cold. And then you see him yeah. like any other time, he's like, oh, he has normal facial features. I, 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 yeah. I, I just found it. I just remember DraftKings has an unalphabetical and it's like I'm having to Which, search where, where they were. But uh, I, I think I'm going to take Robert Thunder here. And I don't know if this you're fading this team because they're already going to be really bad. Uh, Georgia Tech at three and a half wins. No mm-hmm. shot. They we will, we will talk about Georgia Tech later on for sure. Yeah, they might not win a game. So yeah. definitely, I wouldn't even call it fading because they're already projected to win less than four games. So, but if they're playing, like if their spread against Virginia Tech is like Hokies minus 13 and a half, yeah, Tech pretty yeah. like six and 16. You're feeling good about Tech? On a line like that? Oh, we, well, I'm talking about just win totals in general, not against the spread. I mean, I don't know. But you think they're no. bad, bad. Yeah, I mean, I think they're pretty bad. I mean, I don't, I don't think we would have a 13-and-a-half line yeah. anyway. Yeah, I think uh, when you're talking about fading, they're on my list of, like, fade teams. I look at the historically bad teams over the last five years. Georgia Tech is within that window of, like, the worst teams at the bottom in terms of just cover percentage. And also their schedule this year looks like this is going to be a bit of a, a historical joke for people. It looks like Georgia Tech's schedule was made by General Sherman. Like they're like yeah. Atlanta's going to be on fire this year because of how bad they're going to get toasted in every single game. Um, but that's when toasted. we were going back to the uh, the the kind of fade teams this year, once again, I was looking at which team do I want to do game by game values on. Yeah, I'm going to be looking at win totals across the board, but these are the ones where I'm going to like structure my weekly strategy of these are the teams I think are going to have kind of overinflated odds versus underinflated odds. I'm going to go accordingly. So uh, I, I looked at the historically awful teams just because, hey, it's fun to kick a program while it's down. And to me, that year it will still be, you know, the Kansas and the Bowling Greens of the world. It's just fun to root against Scott Leffler and, and watch the eventual demise there. Um, I, I can't necessarily say for UConn and, and UMass accordingly because they have new coaches. I don't know what it's going to be. So they kind of slide off of the bottom of the list and Kansas and Bowling Green kind of slip to the bottom. So those will be the ones that I'm always going to be fading week to week. There's no spread too large that I won't be taking that on just because I want to see them. Uh, not be able to cover a kind of fade the teams based off of their height and overhype. As much as it pains me to say this, I will be fading USC early on in the season. I do feel like that doesn't mean I don't think they're going to win. I just think they're going to get these balloon odds coming out of the gate with the hype nature of where they're doing. And I'm with Irby. I love the fact that what they've done with the program and get that revitalization in there with Lincoln Riley, adult in the room. And what Brett had mentioned with the Miamis of the world and kind of the, you know, the bloom is off the rose with them because the last time they were really relevant was like 20 years ago, but we're still only about what five years removed from USC winning back-to-back double digit seasons in a Rose bowl with probably one of the worst coaches that they've had in their tenured history. So it's like if USC can be back very easily and get the kind of the, 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 results that we would expect a program like them to get probably a lot easier than a couple of these other types of programs. But nevertheless, um, the team that I probably will be fading and it's probably going to be, I'm going to start by fading USC and then I'm going to go away from that. And then the team that I'm going to delay fading on is going to be Tennessee. Uh, I feel like going into the season, you have Penn and Hooker. He's getting a lot of dark horse kind of Heisman uh, love right now. You know, you have them, the fact that they were this, you know, fun offense, and it's mostly because they don't really have a defense and they get in these SEC games and they just air the ball out. But if you look at their season last season, they beat who they should have beat, and they were awful against pretty much the bulk order of the tough teams in the SEC. 
So you look at how they're going to start out in the month of September. They have pretty easy games against Ball State, Pitt, and Akron. Uh, I do not believe Pitt, and we can talk about the ACC here in a little bit, but I think Pitt's going to have a pretty significant drop-off from last year, and that's because I watch USC football, and I know Keaton Slovis is not a very good quarterback, so don't expect much from him, especially since they just took his number one target away to USC. Um, but after playing Ball State and Pitt, they play Akron, so they're going to get this like probably 3-0 and start. They're going to look amazing. Hennon Hooker is going to have these video game numbers, and then they're going to come into the Florida, LSU, and Alabama stretch of their schedule slight break, and then Kentucky and Georgia. And this is where I feel like the wheels will come off and it'll just be, oh yeah, by the way, this is still Tennessee, a team that you know has somewhat of an offensive coach in place right now, but right now they are still nowhere close as a program to have the actual rosters in place to be able to compete day in, day, excuse me, week in and week out in a tough SEC climate right now. So fade USC early, fade Tennessee late, and then just continue to kick Kansas and Bowling Green every single week. That's the strategy here for the fades. Well, I am also in on fading Georgia Tech, as we have mentioned plenty. Uh, that schedule is brutal. I and again, the the win total being three and a half is I think is pretty laughable. I think I think best case scenario for Georgia Tech this year is two and ten, maybe three I mean, and nine. I mean, Jeff Collins has won three games every year. He's been there. Exactly. Three straight exactly. seasons with like, three wins. It's not working. They've lost so much talent. Um, they never had any talent on defense to begin with, and they've lost so much offensive talent. Losing Jameer Gibbs, I think, is just a brutal, brutal loss. Um, I actually do like Jeff Sims. I mean, he turns the ball over quite a bit, but I think he's talented. But unfortunately, he is just in a barren situation. Um, and and yeah, Georgia Tech's schedule is horrendous, <laughs> like just awful. Do you um, want me to list it out real quick? I have it pulled up. If, yeah, if, they play Clemson. Then they have Western mm-hmm. Carolina. Then they host Ole Miss. Then they play at Central Florida, at Pittsburgh, host Duke and UVA, at Florida State, at Virginia Tech, Miami, at UNC, and at Georgia. I think that's a one-win that's schedule. Yeah, it really is. And and you mentioned the spread. Like, I think Georgia Tech could go 0 and 12 against the spread this year. I really do, because I think they're that bad, and especially defensively. Like you mentioned a a 13 and a half, you know, theoretical 13 and a half point line in a Virginia Tech game. Look, like Georgia Tech's defense is terrible, and they could tech could be not good. Virginia Tech could be not great and still find a way to win that game by three touchdowns or more. It I think they'll remind you of Duke last year where even, even when they play bad teams, they get crushed, you know? Um, so yeah, fading Georgia tech, another ACC team that I'm going to fade here is uh Louisville Louisville right now. Win total is set at six and a half. Um, if there's a, if there's a seat, Jeff Collins definitely has the hottest seat in the ACC. If there's a second hottest seat, it's gotta be Scott Satterfield's. Um, I just don't think it's working out there. Um, I, I don't think his kind of, you know, all shucks mountain man personality really fits with what Louisville is, um, as, as a university, as a program, I just don't think it fits. They haven't been able to get it done and their non-conference schedule. What is Louisville as a program? Let's let's go ahead and just interject at that one. What is that? They have the Young Brand Stadium. They're just this like generic. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm getting. Like Louisville's program is like a generic, like low end food court in a mall somewhere. That's well, that, we'll that's say their program. exactly what the Colonel is. He's just this fake Southern man with <laughs> decently. With I'm a, just trying to tell you, I know they had a moment overpriced with Lamar chicken. Jackson, yeah. but yeah. they're just, they're, they're, it's the most generic, they are a low-end brand kind of football program. So just putting that out there real quick. Sorry to interrupt. In, in some yeah, defense no. for Louisville, real quick, uh, they return uh, they return their starting tight end, left tackle, left guard, right guard, right tackle. They return Malik Cunningham. They return their top two corners. Um so they they got some stuff coming back. I agree that it's kind of a do or die, but what is do or die at Louisville? Like if if they go 7 and 5 this year, does he keep his job? Cuz this is a 7 like if you look at their schedule and you look at their roster, 
seven and five is probably a darn good season for them. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it depends a, on who those losses are to, you mm-hmm. know. They have a ridiculous recruiting class as of right now, if, if it stays already. They have two top 100 players, and including those two, you know, take those two, and then I think they have three more. They have five total in the top 160 or 170. They, they got that quarterback from uh, – one of those California Catholic schools, the Southern California ones, and he's just—he's like the—he's pretty much taken his whole seven-on-seventeen with him. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and and you know maybe they'll that gives him a you know a longer leash, uh, knowing what he has coming in. But I just think that I think their non-conference schedule is is pretty tough. Um, you know, having to go at UCF at Kentucky. South Florida at home, you know, they should win that. And then James Madison at home, which, you know, that's no pushover. And then you add on the fact that the Atlantic division, once again, is the superior division in the ACC. Um, you know, you will have some feisty teams in there. I don't know. I see Louisville as more of a five and seven type team as opposed to a seven and five. I think seven and five would probably keep his job with that recruiting class, but I just, I don't see that. Uh, to keep it in the ACC Atlantic, a team I want to fade is Wake Forest. And it hurts because I, I, I like Dave Clawson. I like Sam Hartman. I, I, I like Wake Forest. But I just don't see them repeating what they did last year. Last year, they forced 29 turnovers. Uh, that's You can't do that again. It's not going to happen again in Power 5 football. They're not going to force 29 turnovers. They're not going to be able to rely on that. Also, last year, and, and they played again, but... I, the schedule is Charmin Ultra Soft every single year with Wake Forest. They they have VMI, Vanderbilt, Liberty to start the season. They also play Army. Um, they end the season with Syracuse and Duke. Like their win total of eight and a half, I like the over for that. I, I think this team could go nine and three, but against the spread, I don't think this is a team to really you know, look forward to too much. Like I could see this team going nine and three and losing to NC state Clemson and like Boston college or North Carolina. Like they're going to lose to the three good teams they play this year. So um, in those big games, those big moments for wake forest, I'm, I'm selling wake forest. That's, that's all I got for teams that I really, I'm trying to keep it positive, but wake forest is a team that I would, look out for this year, even if they look really good, like five, six weeks into the season. Anything else, guys? Anyone? We got uh, we got some questions coming up. And by questions, I mean, we don't know what to think about these next teams. Um, truth be told, in June, we don't know what to think about a lot of teams. But Brett, what team do you have no read on right now? Zero, uh, zero read. Just no idea. Out of left field, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we don't need to talk about Virginia Tech because we have our counter, our counterparts in the other podcast get to talk about that. We'll talk about some. I mean, I have no read on us because we have a new coach. I um, My first team I wrote down was Virginia Tech. Yeah, and honestly, I think that's actually going to be for a lot of betters. Um, they're going to have no read on. Uh, I really – North Carolina, you never know what you're going to get with them. They're – uh, we were talking about it before the podcast. If their win was a, if their win total was at eight and a half instead of a half, I would have definitely hammered it. But I, but seven and a half, I think they could maybe get to eight this year, even without Sam Howell. Because honestly, I don't. Even, I thought Sam Howell played pretty poorly last year um, overall. He had, well, he pretty much did everything by himself. So him and Josh Downs. But uh, that's, that's it for the ACC teams. That I another team that I can will not be able to get a read on. Uh, USC, uh, no idea what's going to come out of that. I've, I've said, I said I might would fade them, but I just don't know what's going to happen with them. I'm more likely to fade Texas and Miami, just like when I group those three together, than USC, just because of the ridiculous transfer talent they're getting and who's the coach and all that. Uh, can't get a read on them what's going to happen. They, I think they could either – there's not going to be an in-between for them. They're not going to win nine games I think, or like eight games. They're going to like win like six games and just completely flop, or they're going to win like 11. I think that's what's going to happen with them. But Real uh, quick on USC, uh, they have a pretty easy start to the schedule, Rice at Stanford. 
and then they play Fresno State at home. That is going to be an interesting game. And then the next week, they go to the Giant Slayers, the team that they cannot beat on the road, Oregon State. I'm telling you, September 24th, I'm going to feel really good about the Beavers in that game. Really good yeah, about it. As a USC homer, I had that game and that game in sequence as money line, money line. And I say that, like I said, disheartening as a USC guy. So I'm, I'm, like I said, fade USC early. Those are the two teams that I circle back to back just because of the environment that they're playing and the teams that they're going to be playing in the moment in time early in the season when they're still trying to get this flow as a team together. Um, before they probably get some momentum and, and carry forward as a, what I would consider to be like, what we would have expected them to play like a little bit later on in the season. Um, just kind of continuing on with the, uh, the no idea type teams. And this is the parrot that it's the entire ACC coastal, uh, not the entire one per se, because Georgia tech are just going to, we know they're going to be bad. But if you look at the over unders, Miami is one of the favorites and Virginia Tech is the least favorited, and it's eight and a half versus six and a half in terms of the win totals. There is no marginal, dif- like major difference between the top and the bottom of the ACC. Half of those teams have brand new head coaches. One of those is Virginia Tech. Um, and the only team with over minus odds, so the only team that is right now a Vegas favorite to go over eight and a half is Pittsburgh. And it's like they got a brand new quarterback, they lost their OC and their wide receiver, and they overachieved last season. And what do we know about Pittsburgh is they love to go like every single year, somewhere like um, uh, seven and five or, or eight and four or something around 500, six and six, you know, that that's kind of what they do as a program. So I imagine that regression is coming. Um, so just, just the entire ACC's coastal is out there on the fade list and just to switch over one and Irby, I know I'm going to hurt your family on this one, but I don't have no idea what to expect from Clemson. Um, to be honest, they had so much turnover within their program amongst the coaching staff, the AD, everything about their football program, other than Dabo still kind of being who Dabo is in that program. But it's not like they're returning a juggernaut on offense. They had a little bit of success last year, but those coaches behind it are gone. And if they drop off and the Kate Klubnik era starts, I have no idea what the Kate Klubnik era is going to look like. And it's just, there's just too much, of an unknown there for me to think that they're still right now, one of the top favorite teams to obviously win the ACC, but also to have a chance to get in the college football playoff. I don't see it. So I'm going to put a big question mark on them. No, I mean, I see that. I mean, it all depends on what happens at the quarterback position. And that's probably the greatest question mark in college football right now is can DJ even be average? And if not, you know, can club Nick step in as a true freshman, the way, uh, Lawrence did in the past or <clears throat> anything comparable. Um, the team, I think that really just kind of, um, that's hard for me to kind of make a prediction for, I guess, is Texas A&M. Um, now looking at their win total, it's set at eight and a half, which I think is pretty low. So I don't really have an issue thinking that A&M will go over eight and a half. Like that feels pretty easy. What I can't decide with AM is whether I think that they are actually a legitimate playoff contender this year or not. Um, you know, you look at their defense, it was pretty good last year, and they're bringing back a lot of talent there. Um, of course, they're bringing in the number one recruiting class in the country as, you know, their head coach and another head coach have fought about. Um, but also, I mentioned earlier how Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State was the highest rated returning running back by PFF. The second highest rated returning running back by PFF is Devin uh, Achain. Achain? I don't know. Um, The running back from Texas A&M. He's really good. And it's like, I see all the makings of a potential playoff contender, but at the same time, I really don't like their quarterback situation. Um, I mean, the fact that they chose to bring in Max Johnson from LSU, who isn't good, I think the body of work is there that Max Johnson's not very good. Um, and so they have Haynes King, you know, we saw a little bit of him and it looked okay. And then he got hurt. And then you see Connor Wegman is his true freshman. Like you have three options here. And I really don't know what to expect because I do think that there is a path there where Texas A&M can go 
you know, I don't think they can go 12 and 0, but they can go 11 and 1. You know, and that one loss is to Alabama and suddenly you see like, you know, maybe Clemson slips up again. There's no team from the ACC. There's no team from the Big 12 in the playoff. Suddenly the SEC is getting two teams. A&M's knocking on the door. That's a plausible scenario. But also I could see A&M, you know, dropping a couple of games and because they can't really get any flow with their offense and end up at like nine and three. So I'm uh, not sure where to go with them. And then the other team I want to look at here is Cincinnati. Um, I mean, this is a program we know. We know Luke Fickle is a program builder and he is one of the best young coaches in college football right now. But they are losing so much talent, so much talent. I mean, they were, they had more draft picks than like half of the SEC teams uh, this year, which is a testament to how well they've developed talent. But can they replace that? But at the same time, their conference stinks. I mean, the American is still bad. Like Cincinnati, you can at least expect them to make a bowl. That win total sitting there at nine, um, that is a really, really hard one for me to pick. Um, I think they could go over or they could go under or they could push. So those are my two teams that I just can't get a read on. The two teams I had that I couldn't get a read on were Virginia Tech and USC. We've talked about them. If I had to add another team in there, it'll be one that's close to the hearts of Virginia Tech fans for better or worse. And that's West Virginia. Uh, This is a team that is bringing in JT Daniels, who at times is an elite quarterback and at times is nothing because he's always injured or he gets benched or something like that. What is JT Daniels going to look like? Even if he didn't have spring practice with this West Virginia team, I think that's going to be really interesting. And they've also, man, they, they lost four of their five starting defensive backs. They play a pretty weird defense there where they have like two corners and three safeties um, it's a bit like what Bud Foster did, except that Rover is playing as a true safety. Um, yeah, I mean, they have nothing coming back there. The only returning starter for them, Charles Woods, like didn't play a lot last year. They're bringing in two FCS guys that are probably going to start for them. Um, that's not a good sign for them. Uh, their over under for the season is sitting at five and a half. Um, they do have a pretty tough schedule. They got to play Pitt and Virginia Tech both on the road. They have to travel uh, to Lubbock. They have to travel to Austin. They have to travel to Ames, Iowa, and they have to travel to Stillwater, Oklahoma. So not an easy schedule. A lot of question marks on the back end for defense. And can JT Daniels stay healthy? So I have some questions with West Virginia as well. All right. Final the, second. The answer to that is one. no. I'll say the answer to that question is no. Is no all for of it, JT just Daniels. No. Yeah, just just, just that's no. a big hard no. Yeah, any guy that wears the mock turtleneck and then the sleeveless, mm. I just I can't buy into that too. I don't know if the West Virginia crowd will really embrace that. So yeah, and I I know like no disrespect to Stetson Bennett, he won a national title last year, but they you know Stetson Bennett is not a more talented quarterback than JT Daniels. There's probably a reason that he didn't start over Bennett. That is, you know, so I, and I don't, I don't know that I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's a great teammate and stuff like that, but there's just something about him where he just can't stick somewhere. And if he doesn't have spring practice and he's going in and playing with a team, that's not going to have a great defense to help him out. I don't know if it's the best situation for him, but we'll see. All right. We asked on Twitter for some of your gambling hot takes for the college football season, and we got some. And I'm going to start off with maybe the hottest take I've ever heard in my life from our very own Patrick Finn. He says the Rutgers Scarlet Knights will go undefeated in 2022. Uh, Doing a little research, uh, I found some some cool stuff from Kelly Ford at K Ford Ratings on Twitter. Really great account to follow Rutgers has a 0.4%. So if you were to take Rutgers schedule, there is a 0.4% chance that the average top 25 team would go undefeated. So team that finishes like 13th in the country would have a 0.4% chance of going undefeated with their schedule. Rutgers is not a average top 25 team. They are much worse than that. So that might be the hottest take I have ever heard. 
Have they have they yeah. legalized marijuana in New Jersey? Is that is that a take that's already come out? Like what what? Well, hey, Pat's we in Charlotte. We gotta start screening tweets. <laughs> He's, I mean, uh, I thought he was on his way to Blacksburg, so maybe he stopped yeah, in that's true. somewhere, stopped hey, in Richmond. Know. Who knows? Sorry, Pat. His uh, his Rutgers fandom. I know he's a hokey, but Pat's Rutgers fandom pretty slept on. Yeah, the, there's win total was at four wins though, um, and I I feel like they might be turning it around. There, four wins. They've had some pretty good recruits, and they've had some good classes that are in there now. So, I mean, on, maybe not undefeated, but they could go six and six. There might there might be some twelve and zero maybe no, not. no they can't go six and six they play <laughs> Ohio State Michigan Penn State Michigan State no they're not they're not but uh it, it's fun it was a fun stat to look up all right another one we talked about uh, Georgia Tech um, our very own Billy Ray brought up like how bad are they going to be we talked enough about Georgia Tech um, DJ Uwe Ungale to win the Heisman. That was from Thompson Brock at tbrock15 on Twitter. Currently, DJ Uwe Ungale's Heisman odds are actually the fifth shortest in the country, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, at plus 2,800. Yeah, he won't make it through week four. I'm saying right now, I, we've talked about this briefly off, off air. Uh, Cade Klubnick will be starting by week, I'd probably say week six, he'll definitely be starting, and then he'll be sharing time by week four. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, Clemson, I think I think the game plan will be basically Clemson's starting schedule for the first few games is pretty bad, um, so they're going to play some cream puff opponents. If DJ comes out and he's just as bad as he normally is, because even last year when they played like South Carolina State and UConn, they were winning in spite of him. Um, if it's like that, then you know it's Klubnik's job. By the way, Klubnik like plus six, plus six thousand to win the Heisman. This is what led me to have them as a question mark, and that and this was just first game out of the gates for them last season, and he's the full time starter. We think of DJ as his performance against Notre Dame, where he had a tremendous game the prior year, and then his first game out of the gates is like on the brightest lights of stage against that University of Georgia defense. And I wonder if he just got like traumatized from that entire experience, not knowing, and then just kind of carried throughout the rest of the season. So maybe, maybe it is, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a positive guy by nature. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to kind of at least entertain the thoughts that DJ can at least make through the course of the season. But Heisman's a little bit of a stretch for me, but you know, I, I hate to see people lose a job because they just didn't do well and stuff like that. But the, see, the elements are there. He does have some semblance of a pedigree to do well. So I, w- I don't want to write him off already. His career really with Clemson started that game at Notre Dame. They play at Notre Dame on November 5th. Is he the quarterback in South Bend for that game? He is not. <laughs> and I'm also, I just want to say, I think that that Notre Dame game was also, I think that's an outlier because if you recall when he had to step in for Trevor Lawrence that year, um, Lawrence actually missed two games. So the game the week before was, I believe they were playing Boston college. It was someone not great um, at home. So that was DJ's first start and he played horrible. Um, He literally couldn't complete a pass. Clemson was barely skating by um, a really bad Boston college team until he just, Dropped a little dump off, off to old uh, Travis Etienne, who took it 70 yards to the house. Uh, and so DJ didn't play well in that game and then has this monster game against Notre Dame and then regressed to that original play in Boston College. So I really think that Notre Dame game was just the game of his life and we should be more used to uh, some of the worst play we've seen. All right. Another hot take here from the Bulldog of Chernobyl at IDiggityDog on Twitter. Texas A&M. Electric name. <laughs> electric name. Uh, Texas A&M will not win 10 plus games. Um, not really a hot take considering that their win total is set at eight and a half. But the over for that eight and a half is at minus 150. So a little bit of a cushion there for Vegas. Tough schedule, obviously, but very talented team. We've talked a little bit about them. I mean, 
if they're going to win 10 plus games in the regular season, they got to, they, they got to have a pretty phenomenal season. Like they have to be clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, that sounds like it was tweeted from Saban's burner account. I don't know what that is, but that's that's definitely not a hot take. That's just he's just throwing haterade there. Yeah, that's that's not a hot take. That's more of like a leaving the thermostat at seventy-seven level yeah, take. It's like a, where it's like a balmy seventy-five. It's, it's a nice little balmy. It's not. Yeah. It looks like hot. he's a Georgia fan, so not really a rival in any way. But um, interesting. You know, I think there are a lot of people who are high on Texas A&M, so maybe that, you know. I think it's just it. a lot of SEC envy right now with the churned out recruiting class that they did, and they're kind of in the limelight of more, and no one's really talking about Georgia going in the season because, you know, they should because they won the title, also- but they're kind of fading a little bit. So I, I can see it. It's a little bit of a jealousy. They're like the, you know, the, they're the young starlet coming up in Hollywood. And, yes. And you got these, you know, the competition of, of the, the, the proven actresses kind of, you know, giving them the – giving them the business here a little bit what are we expecting from georgia this year just real quick are we we out of all those topics we talked about nobody said anything about them so are they a team we don't know what's going to happen with them i'll give you a, a a quick hot take here and it does somewhat involve georgia so right now bama georgia ohio state and clemson are the top odds favorites to get to the college football playoff and my hot take is three of them will not make it whoa I yeah, like I that. Think, uh, uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. I have a. So I have obviously, a the Georgia and Clemson drop off is probably going to be there. So it's who you're fading, Bam, Ohio State. My reason for backing this is, is of all of the eight previous college football playoffs, Bama and Ohio State have only made it together three times. So the odds are in your favor for actually going against Bama and Ohio State. So in a year where you also have the other two programs not necessarily looking that great um, in terms of what. Georgia and Clemson can possibly give you. I'm going to be looking at probably one of those teams making it and then looking elsewhere in the odds categories to find possible three others and who can make the college football. I feel like this is a year where you can probably hit on not one team. Like we all kind of looked at Cincinnati and and obviously the locks made some profits off of that one. But this year, I think you could at least find two on that dark horse line and then maybe one around the margins as well. Cause I just, I usually try to find what the best value is in terms of who cannot get it done. And I like betting against teams like Bama and Ohio State because it's fun to see them not do well. Um, so just because they pretty much have a stranglehold on college football. So in a year where they're touted to be the just odds-on favorites to just clean house and get all the way through unscathed and probably play each other in the title matchup, I'm going to go against it. I'm going to fade that. So you were holding back from us the whole time you were talking about fading until right then. You just like, you were just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say it. Just Let's throw it in there. Yeah. We have to, we have to keep some takes back. We have some more stuff to do, some more off season stuff to do. We have to keep some stuff back. I, I'm going to keep some stuff back. And uh, the one thing that I will say, and this is maybe not a hot take, but I think this could be like one of the crazier years in college football history because of how wide open it is outside of maybe Alabama. Like after Alabama, there are so many question marks across the country. There are so many transfers. I think they're crazy. This has got this, this offseason in my mind was one of the craziest coaching carousels I've ever seen. I mean, I think we're looking at 2007.2 because the on field will be insane. But I think what you have that you didn't have back then is the off the field drama the, you know, off season, switching conferences, transfers, NIL coaches, moving coaches, you know, saying the other coach pays a lot of money when we both know they both pay money. like, I think this could be a really wild season. So if you're feeling a little bit frisky about a team, whether it's, you know, Utah, whether, you know, it's Kansas state, whoever, this is the year to do it because there are very few high, high level college football teams this year. There's a lot of just good teams this year. And that's all I got. That's all I got here on uh, June 9th. Yeah. I'm waiting for my Athlon sports magazine to come in. Then I'll have a little more information. I do yep, have, got, uh, 
Do some reading, fellas. Mm, I got one more hot take. If okay. I'm gonna throw it out. There was another one. Well, there was another one that I had on my notes, and I just read over it again, and I thought to myself, "Nah, that's too much." Say it. You gotta I, say it now. <laughs> it was gonna be South Carolina to win the SEC East. No, but I can't. <laughs> no, <laughs> good thing. No. <laughs> no. I literally read that, and that's the exact thought I had was like, no. Um, I do think Georgia probably loses maybe one or two games, but South Carolina is not winning like 10 or 11. But my real hot take is that the Heisman winner will not be a quarterback. It will be Jameer Gibbs, running back from Alabama, transfer from Georgia Tech, plus 6,000. I love Jameer Gibbs as a player. I mean, I had so much fun watching him at Georgia Tech. Dude is just pure electricity. Um, he gets as many receiving yards as he gets rushing yards. He's basically Alvin uh, Kamara. He's Alvin Kamara, right? Or he's even like if Jalen Waddle played running back. Like he has that sort of just um, home run speed and just shiftiness. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a great, great, great player. Um, I do think Alabama will have to be a little more run-centric this year than they were last year um, just because they aren't going to have as much talent at receiver. Um, I think Bryce Young will probably, I don't know, you usually see the defending Heisman winner kind of ease back a little bit in the year following. That's just kind of what tradition says. And I think Alabama will run the ball a lot more. And I just think Gibbs is going to get the ball over and over and over and over again. And as Alabama, as I believe they will probably go 15 and 0 and win this whole thing. Cause ain't nothing worse than a pissed off Nick Saban. Um, yeah, I think he's just going to feed the ball to Gibbs and he will be the next great Alabama running back. I love it. It's going to be a really exciting year. We're really excited for some of the off season stuff. Again, stay tuned. Um, August, the ball is going to get rolling. We are really excited. Fellas, it's good to dust off the mic, talk some college football, enough of the basketball, baseball. Let's just get back to college football. Really excited for it. That'll do it for us tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Robert, sign us out. Go Hokies. (laughs) 